This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to The Interview on the Raptors Republic Podcast Network. I'm Andrew Damelin. Today's guest is the Toronto Raptors rookie sensation. No, I'm not talking about Scotty Barnes. She's certainly shaking her head at that uh, parallel. She is the sideline reporter and analyst for Sportsnet, a proud alum of the U and Niagara College. Her name is Amy Audibert. Amy, how are you? Thank you. I'm great. You forgot. Uh, I'm also considering myself a very proud alum of the 905, and I still try to give back there as much as possible. So don't leave that one out. Um, yeah, I, I remember that stretch of six and eight you had with the uh, with the 905 yeah. and the and the Raptors actually. So yeah, we, let's not forget that you were yeah, a proud I, 905. I called it the Delano week. It was basically Delano Banton's schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the schedule we all work off. The Rexdale native is uh, is the schedule that, that we run, and, and that's the type of grind you've been on for for so long. And you know, when I asked you to come on, my my first thought was, let's do a little bit of how you got into this, like a little bit of this is this is your life that get into the Raptors. But then I watched this podcast you did. It's called the CEBL Life Podcast um, with a, with a woman named Kat. I can't pronounce her last name. Can you pronounce her last name? It's a tough one. It's a tough that one. Is- Yes, but I go with Kat just out of respect not to mess it up. She is a wonderful, wonderful person. Wonderful person and wonderful interviewer. If you really want to get to know Amy and how she got to this point, I just say to everybody, listen to that podcast. What what inspires you? What motivates you? Different inspirations that are outside of basketball that uh, sort of get you going throughout throughout your life that got you to this point. So I think you should definitely listen to that podcast for a real look at it. This is your life thing with, with Amy Otterberg. So I want to pick up on a couple of things that you guys spoke about. And one that I found so interesting is you said you didn't get your competitiveness from your brothers or from your sisters. It was something that was innate in you. Um, and when you're trying to break into this industry, you know, you were 10 years just from gig to gig to gig to gig, and finally you found something full time. Where does that competitive nature sort of manifest itself in that grind to get to where you are now at Sportsnet? It's, I don't know. I, that's the answer. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just how I'm, how I am and how I'm kind of like wired, uh, which is a little different, I think, than, than a lot of people. But um, when you do cross paths with people that all kind of get it, you probably stick around in their circle for a while because, uh, like I said, it's just very intrinsic and I, it's something I've dealt with um, a lot. And especially the last couple of years that am I being complacent or just, content and um, embracing the moment, embracing the job, embracing where I am, but then also, right. It's just such a fine line because you never want to be that person that feels comfortable in a very competitive industry in your job. But at the same time to do it well, you have to be very focused on the now. And uh, and that's where the, I think that's where um, the whole competitive thing is, right. Is I mean, I don't do my job simply just to say I did it or I can do it. I enjoy it. I really love doing it. But I think as as we all know, in this industry, it can be, it's very daunting. And, For and, sure. Um, and, yeah. You know, 
you mentioned in a, in a tweet of yours that you know you were considering actually leaving the industry not too long ago when things had kind of dried up, obviously COVID and and the 905 season was in question before they had a bubble season as well. I remember how thankful you were to be able to work that even if, if it was just a month of the season. So you've kept on, you've kept on that grind. Um, and you know, I remember um, in April of uh, 2021, there was the all-female broadcast, and I remember seeing you were part of it, and you were going to be get you're going to get to work an NBA game. And uh, I'm not sure if you listen to the JJ Reddick podcast at all. But he has this um, term of endearment for people he admires. And the term, it, it sounds not great, but it, the term is a sicko or a psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right? I am. <laughs> I totally am. You are, yeah. right? So I'm thinking, so you, you're so obsessed, so maniacally obsessed with the game. He, he calls Chris Paul a psycho, who's obviously a superstar Hall of Famer, but he also calls a guy like Tim Legler a psycho, someone who, much like you, grinded in the, well, not the G League, but the CBA and grinded and grinded and eventually got a 10-year career, uh, NBA career now as an analyst for 20-plus years, right? So when you get that call to do the the NBA broadcast as a sicko, can you tell me the amount of prep you put in to analyze that Toronto at Denver game? If you remember that that season was a lost season, they were not playing well at all, and they were going into Denver. You thought it wouldn't be a great game. In fact, Norman Powell has an amazing game, and then they show out. But can you take me into the prep that you went through for that opportunity to get on NBA broadcast? Yeah, and I mean, I would also add, too, that was the trade deadline game. So there was also this whole, you just don't know um, when things happen, if they happen at all. The whole Kyle's name was in it all. Obviously, it ended up being Norm, but not the next morning. So that was a whole other curve to it, too, right, is just be ready. Uh, and of course I, uh, I was working in the studio and that was the first time I'd ever sat in a studio setting. So, um, you never want your first time to be on a national stage, by the way, because if it doesn't go well, everyone's going to see, I'll take you back to my first TV broadcast, like outside of college was the OHL. And I was, I like blanked. Um, right on my open, I had it, thought I had it memorized and nailed down and the lights went on and I completely blanked and everyone said, don't worry. It was local. Not too many people saw it. So to the point, right. So I was, I was pretty nervous just because I didn't know how to prepare because I had never sat in that position or I never sat in that type of chair before. Um, but as soon as, I mean, Kate Ness, who was the studio host, um, was amazing. I mean, she kind of the night before called me just to, work together tomorrow. What can I do? How can I help you? And that conversation just kind of calmed me down so much because, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a huge deal. And, um, as the day kind of got pushed closer and closer and closer, um, that's when the attention started kind of coming on to it. So it's kind of like, I just want to do my job. Like, I just want to, I want to contribute to conversation around the Toronto Raptors and the Denver Nuggets. Like, that's what I want to do. But I mean, I, I took, I didn't decline any interview. So I was doing national interviews mm. at six, seven a.m. Um, stayed up in Toronto in a hotel room and kind of like at, I think I cut off at 11. I just was like, I'm going to go just lay down for a couple minutes. And uh, it didn't happen. Uh, yeah. And then the lights went on and it was, and we were, I keep saying this. Yes. The game was amazing. Everyone said it went so well. The Raptors played so well. And 
any show is better when you're covering the team that plays well. Mm. <laughs> okay, let's just put that out there. Okay, if they were getting slammed by 40, it probably would have sounded a little bit different. Yes, you're professional. Yes, it's our jobs too. But as you know, right, it's just nicer and people at home are more receptive when your team's up and playing well versus when they're down. Um, and so it was a combination of a lot of things, but I thought it went really well. And um, yeah, I'm super grateful. Uh, again, I, I mean, I'll always be grateful for that opportunity because uh, it was really the Raptors and TSN and uh, MLSC were really like they picked people that had kind of done it, even though it was my first time in a studio. I'm, like I present basketball and pretty much almost every different hat now, except for play by play. Um, because if they just decided to choose a bunch of women and throw them into this position, it may not have went over well. And so that was really important. We wanted to make sure it went well, but we just did the jobs that we always do um, or that we're close to doing. And uh, a lot of NBA teams now have followed suit. We see the MLB. We see so many other um, organizations now uh, having just even an all-female broadcast. Just to, I think it's important just to say, like, we're here. We can do it. It doesn't mean, like, wipe the table. Get rid <laughs> All men must go. That's not the point of it. It's just, like, we're out there. You know, and, and I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, the opportunities have have increased uh, since that broadcast, and and yeah, you killed it. And maybe one of the breaks you got was they played well, and yeah, I sure. might say you deserve a break, and you got a break um, by them playing by them playing really well. And you you parlayed that into the gig you have now, and um, you know you you go on to cover the 905, you cover the CEBL, you get back from the CEBL championship season and you hear that you're going to get this sports net job. And this will be the last question about that. This is your life portion. And we'll get onto the Raptors. I promise. But you get back from Edmonton from the championship and you find out you got this gig. Um, your reaction, the first person you told that you got like a full-time reliable, hopefully reliable gig um, hey, with, hey, a, with an NBA team. Oh yeah. A year or two in our industry feels like for me, this is the first summer where I I'm kind of just like, okay, you know, I've got something lined up uh, since high school. Yeah. I was fortunate. I was at my parents' house and um, yeah. So my whole family was here. kind of like all, they were all hanging out by the pool. I uh, had stayed pretty busy um, through the summer with the CBL and I was in Texas, Vegas, Edmonton. It was just a crazy August. I hardly saw anybody. So it was kind of nice. They're all outside. I was like, oh, you know, like not, you know, nothing's really like nothing's locked in, but this might happen. And yeah, it was, it was nice just because, you know, I, I think uh, my family's been super, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I haven't had support at home. I've had the best and most awesome support, even just getting a dog, which I think I talk about a lot now is a big commitment for me, but my family basically took them most of the summer. They basically had a bunch of the seasons. So the last three weeks, <laughs> I've been hanging out with my dog like every day, all day. So yeah, I mean, they were super supportive and it's been, it's been cool for them too. Um, listen, the basketball's been great. The team was, was so good. So uh, another break, right? They got to uh, to enjoy, obviously, just seeing their sister, their cousin, their niece, their daughter, whatever, do her thing that she's been trying to do for a long time. But then just the games were fun. The team was awesome. So um, yeah, it was it was a good year, I'd say in 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 my uh, my family circle. Yeah, I'm sure they're they're so proud and they watch you. They watch you every night, um, and and we watch you every night as well. And you're you got a bunch of hats. Like you said, you got the sideline role and that's the traditional portion of, of the interviews at halftime at the end of the game, which have been, which have been great. And then you get to do these pre third quarter hits about uh, your, your analysis. So, you know, 
just during the game from the side, I mean, the, the mechanics of it all, like, are you, do you have a monitor with you? Are you communicating with the producer? Like, okay, I want to break down these few plays at halftime or, or how's that, how does that communication go when you're, when you're in broadcast? Yeah, it's so crazy. It's people don't realize there's so much always going on behind the scenes. And um, I, for me, I'm still figuring the routine out um, because as a reporter, your role is so much different than as an analyst. And I'm kind of high, trying to hybrid both of them. And so um, I have a mic that's open to our producer. He's great. And I try not to bother him too much when the game's going on, but even though he totally encourages it, I feel bad doing it, but no, we, uh, it's good. I, I, I have a stats monitor and a game monitor. I have an earpiece that is open to the game, but also the truck can communicate to me. Um, so the way I, I feel like my best games were when I prepared with, stories or news or all that stuff, but then also did kind of take an analyst look to it, you know, who are playing records, the trends as of late, kind of setting that table early so that those are the things I'm looking for. If they're happening in game, if we can find footage to support it, then those are the things I'd like to come out with, but then also not talking about the same thing that the studio is talking about at halftime. So there's a lot going on, but I'm really grateful for it because when I was um, asked to come on Sportsnet team with this position, it, it is new. It is a little bit different. It's not traditional. And I'm grateful for that because it's a risk for them to take as well. Um, instead of ne- not necessarily talking to a coach, um, kind of throwing my old, my own view or kind of what I'm seeing out there. And that requires a lot of trust for them in me. So I don't take that for granted. And uh, we're still just kind of working on it and seeing what we can do and not just being you know, being traditional, being professional, of course, in presentation, but also just not being the same all the time. And I think that's really important in the way that we present this awesome organization. And it seems like with Matt Devlin, you have that anchor, yeah. that leader that's like, for and me watching Alvin on the on the um, analyst side, like it felt like Matt just had his back the whole time. It's like, I got you. I'm going to take it from here, wherever it is. So, so you just feel supported by him. And I imagine you feel similarly. And what, and what I noticed with you, with, with Matt, you had that, that little back and forth chemistry, the send off, it wasn't just like back to you. It was just something tight. There was some chemistry that developed over the course of the season. Am I seeing things or, or, or do you, would you agree with that? No, he's the greatest. Um, when I had to slide into the analyst chair, that was one of my biggest, like, just like, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint Matt Devlin <laughs> just like, <laughs> because he ever would ever even give that vibe, but he is truly amazing like he's and that for me was that for me was I mean I'm like everybody else I've watched Matt Devlin for how many years sit at home and his voice just like when he starts talking and you're sitting beside him like you got to catch yourself for a second you know because yes you're professional yes I've worked my tail off to get here yes I believe I'm qualified it's still him you know it's still his voice but you just talk about like supportive awesome just so easy to talk to he is he is superb like i am so grateful that that's who i get to to work with um he's awesome i honestly going into this year you always especially as the new face one of the new faces you're always kind of just like don't know how everyone's gonna be and it and makes your it totally and, and you hear that especially when we have conversations about women coming into sports like it makes or breaks your experience literally who you're working with and i've had the best experience and matt devlin's like the top of the list so i'm i'm always going to be forever grateful to him just because of how he welcomed me and also just just uh really really like embrace to to alvin and i um that's a lot 
in his position. So he's, it, just, he's incredible. He really, we're so lucky to have him. We are so lucky to have him. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful. Yeah. I'm not sure if people realize like he's doing TNT games. He was a, he still is a big time broadcaster, but like national American broadcaster. And it's cool to hear that he's a good guy too. I've spoken with him once, like many, many years ago. So it's nice to hear that he's actually a a good person, a good teammate as well. So, so you're in a good environment, a nurturing environment for, for you to grow, for you to give your analysis. And I'd like to get your analysis of the team this year. There are so obviously so many wonderful like developing plot lines as the season went on. Pascal sort of emerges from this surgery, from this down year into an all-NBA player, and Fred Van Vliet becomes an all-star. But as you know, we're 905 people at heart. So I like the sort of the lesser, the top, top storylines. So the, the first thing I wanted to ask you about is, is our boy, Chris Boucher. So he has a difficult start to the season. Seems like it was, I mean, again, this is hard to remember now. It's so long ago, but seemed like it was more of a reliance on the, um, on the finesse than the energy stuff that um, seemed to really be his bread and butter when he sort of cemented himself and got that two-year contract. Now that he sort of plays so well in that Philly series, you know, kept the minute in game six, by the way, in the first half with with uh, all those offensive rebounds and stuff. First of all, wh- what did you see him doing when he got out of the 905? And then how far did he surpass your expectations now these two years into a sort of full-time gig as a Raptor? So I'm going to set it up here with a couple things. So first of all, he was hurt the entire preseason this year. Like he got hurt in training camp and missed the whole preseason. And that, I believe that had a lot to do with the way the season started for him because when he did get cleared, he was already so he was behind the eight ball big time. And yeah, like he did try to push in there and try to make an impact. And he, Chris, I will tell you guys, this, Chris Boucher is awesome. Like an awesome guy. He is so great to talk to. He is, he's just a good guy. Like he doesn't, he never, he's not an ill, like he doesn't talk about like, he's just awesome. I really like Chris. So he wasn't going in there. Like I'm going to be the big dog. He was trying to contribute. And like you said, maybe just in different ways. And it took him a while. He wasn't just getting the Philly series literally since January through the second half of the season, he's been like pretty freaking good. In fact, if he was consistently that the entire season, I'd say he would have a strong case for six man as well. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the way that he played in the back half. So am I surprised? Um, I don't think it's surprised. I think with Chris, um, when, especially when he got to the nine Oh five, when you look at his frame, he's so thin and so long and you're going, how is that going to translate? He figured it out. So am I surprised? I'm not going to say surprised because he works his tail off. People think Chris is like this young guy. Chris is one of the older guys on the team. His story is incredible. I believe he dropped out of high school to be a dishwasher. Like again, when you talk about the grind and someone who's, you know, had to work through it, he's hurt. He's, I think, I believe he's tore his knees in college, right? Like, yep. Yep. Last game of college, his career. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, coming back from devastating injuries, getting cut, he was in Golden State. They let him go. Like, he's had, he's had to work for everything. And um, so I'm not going to say I'm surprised because I think when you have to, like, go through that type of thing consistently for years and you still fight, figure out a way to still be there, this is professional basketball. There's no moral, we're going to keep him around because we like him. He earned his spot to be here. Um, it doesn't surprise me when guys get to this because they have that like backbone, like they've had to really work for it. Um, 
but so what was the second part? Like, am I, I mean, so now it's like he's, his contract is up. It's, uh, you yeah. know, you're dealing with salary cap stuff. I kind of liken him to TJ McConnell, um, who like an energy guy like that is, listen, Chris Boucher has got skill. He's got a three point shot that's developing and uh, chemistry in the pick and roll and stuff. There's no doubt he's a skilled player, but like TJ McConnell's kind of a claim to fame is the, is the energy he brings, the life that he brings. And he was a, bubble NBA player before his last couple seasons in Philly. Then he signs a big contract with Indiana. So, you know, I don't know if you deal in dollar terms for Chris Boucher, but like, what do you do if you're the Raptors? How much has he earned himself in that back half of the season because of, of how he did? No, I think he has certainly earned himself. I'm not Blake Murphy, so I'm not like an expert <laughs> in this alley. Really, like, it's tough. Like, that, that guy is special, too. We talk about why are different Blake is, too, and he is on top of it all. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know what the numbers look like. I, I, I'm biased because I just told you how great he is to work with, and I do appreciate what he does with the court. I hope they find a way to keep him here. Um, I think he's earned it. But... Uh, and I think the other thing is just the system with Toronto is it is different. They are kind of playing a little bit different than most of the teams around the league. And that's something that he has figured out as of late. The other thing, Chris, is he's just, he's tough. So ooh, he got benched this one game. I don't know if you remember, he got benched. I think it was right after the Cleveland game. It was right before he just kind of like, all right, I'm back. Um, he responded. And in the NBA, I think you've got to be skilled. I don't think there's any NBA players who are not skilled basketball players. It's just too competitive and the best players in the world. Um, but yeah, like he, he just has the total package. So yeah, I mean, I do obviously hope that they can find a way. And I think for him, it is home. Um, his family is here and yeah, I, I don't know. And I, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what they do. I'm not a GM. You know this, Andrew. I'm, I'm never like, that's my style. I'm not some people. You probably call some people that say they should do this. They should do that. This is how it should be. Well, listen, like I'm not Messiah. I'm not Bobby and I'm not Chris. Um, do I think the fit is correct? Yes. Do I think that he's earned himself something? Absolutely. Um, because again, it wasn't just a Philly series. It wasn't a game here or there. It wasn't just like, Hey, we see potential from January through the remainder of the season. He was a staple to this team. And when you do talk about energy, it is something you can bring more often. Like your shot's not going to fall every night, but you've got a better. And because he consistently showed that, I think there's got maybe a little bit more confidence investing in a guy like that because he showed that he can consistently bring that to the court every night and so i'm hoping again i hope he's wearing a raptors jersey jersey next season yeah someone who watched his his g league games and came of age you know under Serge Ibaka and marcus Saul. it is it is cool to see where he's emerged um you mentioned how the team plays different like the team just trots out six seven to six nine guys and and um you know the other player i actually want to talk about a couple of players if we do have time but with scotty barnes um rookie of the year obviously just, but I want, um, this is why I wanted to have you on because you mentioned they play different and I want to learn, well, how do they play different? I know they have this unconventional lineup and Scotty Barnes is handling the ball a ton, but like what you see from him, like he seems to be the catalyst, the catalyst for how the team plays different. Um, yeah, because he's thrown, he's been in a point guard and he's also guarded the center. Like he's he literally just, and they want to play fast. So when you have guys, like I always say, when you're, three, fours and fives can grab a rebound and just run the break that that's five options on the court. 
and not every team's built like that. Uh, so, and on the defensive end, right? Like you see it, they get out, they switch everything um, when they are playing the way they want to be playing. That's tough to do. That's tough to score on. Now, I don't know how much college basketball you watched. I know he came, out, he came off the bench at Florida State, I believe. Did he surprise you with, um, with, the, with the full skill set when he got to the team? Um, I, I don't want to – again, like the same thing we were just saying with Chris. It's like surprise is like not the word I like because it's saying like I didn't think he was good before, right? When you're a lottery pick – and again, I think Bobby and Masai and their scouting team, they deserve to be among the top in the NBA because they consistently like – make really good decisions. Um, so, you know, he's good, but then there's the whole ceiling, right? Like we know that the draft is so, especially this year, again, like you just go back and forth on N one and done players who have only played this one year in college and came off the bench, but he's the sixth man of the year. And, you know, there's so much going on. Um, it didn't take me long after summer league. Mm. Like, I think it was like one or two games in the summer league. Where you're like, oh, wow. Really? Like, really good. Um, I think the most impressive thing for me with Scotty was when you looked at the first couple months of the season and months, it's kind of a blur, but I think it was months where I felt like he got so many teams or players on their heels a bit because he doesn't stop like his energy. And that's tough to do. He's just up and down back and forth. Like he loves to play the game, but then he, he runs with like an intensity, like he really does. And sometimes in the NBA, like you don't see that, right? Because it's 82 games because you've got these vets that are like, you got to pace yourself. And then, you know what I mean? Scotty's just out there just like having fun playing the game. So I'm not going to say I'm, I'm surprised, but I think also just like his um, professionalism, like he, he I, I, this first regular season Sportnet game, which was my first NBA broadcast was at TD Garden in Boston. And the first couple minutes of the game, the crowd's like screaming, not nice, of course, not, not great things at uh, Toronto, telling them how, you know, Kyle left you guys, blah, blah, everything, personal stuff, whatever. It's, it's the NBA life and it's right. Boston. Um, by the halftime, right into a couple minutes in the third quarter, the crowd starts getting a little bit quieter. Like Scotty Barnes just like took over that game. I forget his final stat line. It was like maybe 25 and like 13 or something. It was crazy. I was like, oh, he's ready. Because it takes like, yes, you can be a skilled player, but it takes a lot of heart. It takes like some head to be able to go in there and do that, like that early in your NBA career. So um, I hope these fans are just excited about the future. Yeah, there's an incredible future. That's the rookie season from Scotty Barnes. The last guy I wanted to talk about, Precious Achua, just finished the second season. Yeah. And um, I mean, look, for me as a, you know, fan and someone watching the games, I see him in the beginning of the year and it looks like it's, it's, it's obviously a confidence thing, but it looks like dribbling is an issue at times. Um, and there were, there were turnovers, there were quick shots and, but you knew that Nick nurse had a plan and he was giving him the leash to, to take those three pointers, to, to handle the ball a little bit. And then it all just comes to fruition near the, as the, as the season goes on. And it's like, it's so funny. I, I try to, you know, I watch all these G League games. I try to play scout and yet it's so difficult to project like, oh, well, the, he's going to be this at this moment. Um, when did you realize that? And I'm not going to use the word surprise because um, that's not, that's not in your vernacular anymore. But when, <laughs> when did you realize that uh, that precious could be this, this mainstay rotation piece? 
So I wish I could pull up the draft podcast I did. Uh, I did right after the draft in 2020, and he was my steal of the draft. I believe he was the okay. 20th. He was the 20th pick to the Miami Heat. Again, like Scotty, a one and done out of Memphis, but I watched a little bit of him play. My friend was an assistant coach there at mm. the time. So I was just like, and plus, like, his name's precious too. Like, he's just cool. He's a cool guy. And I am partial to that position where, like, these kind of bigs, but they're super explosive. I loved him. And I literally remember going in there and had it up. Who is the steal of this draft? And I said, the Miami Heat, because also just that organization, like, they don't mess around either. And I just was like, playing behind Bam. Like this is, this is, I, I really like him. I almost want to go get a Jersey right now. Um, I was not working with the Raptors at the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So when, and I know I, I had a lot of conversations early in the season where I think people were kind of looking at me funny. I really do. Like, cause I was like, no, I'm, I'm team precious. My producer, Dave leader, like he'll tell you I've been team precious all year because People don't understand, first of all, he's one year ahead of Scotty Barnes. He's one year ahead of the rookie of the year. These guys were both one and done's in college. So it's just like everything's fast-tracked. And even Precious, one year at Memphis, even though they run a great pro-style um, program there, and then goes one year to the Miami Heat, and he plays behind. Like, he doesn't even play. He plays behind Bam Adebayo, completely different system. Their fives aren't shooting threes. Their fives aren't necessarily grabbing rebounds and running the break down the middle. So yeah, like when he gets thrown in here in the first couple months, everything's different. Rules different. Everything. The guy he's the guys he's playing around are different. So was there going to be a curve? Absolutely. And that you credit the staff, you credit himself for just kind of staying with it, right? Probably, hopefully, staying off Twitter. Okay. <laughs> um, so again, in his precious perfect like anyone's perfect uh, no like no one's perfect do I think again his ceiling and when you talk about future and his fit in this program and the way that they're playing is like amazing and then you can add the whole off the court thing that he was a Giants of Africa alumni like you there's something about like pride or our lives or where we're from that do kind of some people that like allows them to kick it up a notch I believe like precious playing in this program that Masai is like building and making happen. Like that's gotta mean something. That's so cool. Like we don't even talk about that. So I'm just, and again, just another super cool dude. So fun to talk to. I, I think he's awesome. So I, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I get pumped up about all of them because they're all so young. <laughs> like we forget that. Right. So yeah. Like super excited that he's in wearing a Raptor. So when the, when the trade kind of got posted in the details, I was in, I think I was in Texas and I was like, so pumped because precious, like, yes, the Goron stuff was good. And I'm going like, okay, an older, maybe backup point guard obviously doesn't work out, but still I was like, so pumped about precious. I really, really was. And nobody, everyone's like, who, like, who is this? And like, <laughs> I've been, I've been a fan for two years. So I'm really pumped. Yeah. No, the, Amy, the, the enthusiasm just, shines through about precious now and it shines through when you're on the air every time you, you step out there and Raptors fans not just me you've, you've heard it from Raptors fans they, they finally see got to see what I saw with the 905 and everyone is super excited that you're with Sportsnet that you're on a national broadcast that you're continuing along and I know you got a super busy schedule as do I actually we both kind of got to run but but Amy I really appreciate you taking the time this morning and hopefully we bump into each other soon enough down the road Oh, we will. We're gym rats, Andrew. So I'll probably see you this summer. <laughs> for sure, yes. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll make a time for it. All right. Thanks, Amy. Thank you.